Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sci, a podcast about black science fiction, fantasy, and staying on the same page in this marriage. I'm one of your incredible co-hosts, Amber Wallen. And I'm Ben, or Benjamin, named after one of the 12 tribes of Israel in the Bible. That was actually, more one, more than I expected you to say, and two, very relevant for today's topic. Today, we're getting into our Black Fantasy Bag. We'll be discussing Black Jesus on Hulu. Hilarious. Black Jesus wasn't at the top of anybody's radar. I remember one night, Ben was like, hey, I found this funny show on Hulu. Like, why don't you check it out? So please tell me how you found this show, because it's not in any of Hulu's, like, highlighted picks. No, I had to look up Black Fantasy first. Look, I think I looked up Black Fantasy by Black creators, found a couple of things. Uh, a lot of the things they were showing me, though, was just fantasy with Black people in it. Of and, course. And so I had to check each creator. And we, I wasn't finding anything, so I just put, like, Black shows made by Black people. <laughs> and, and then Black Jesus came And up. then Black Jesus came up because I had to keep on broadening the search. Like, it was too narrow of a search to look up Black Fantasy. And so I found Black Jesus, and I was wondering if it would fit well with our podcast. And there is a bunch of Jesus fantasy, I'm going to call it Jesus fantasy. Where Jesus you, fantasy. Where I you, like that genre. Right? It's a great subgenre where basically you take Jesus and you put him in modern day. And there's a bunch of that. And there's a pattern to these movies and books where Jesus shows up in modern day and he's rejected by the church. And it sort of takes from that Bible verse where uh, people at the end of times, uh, I think in Matthew, they go to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and and, uh, do miracles in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I, I never knew you. Yeah, Jesus is pretty hardcore. Dang, Jesus. He, he's pretty mean at times, which uh, black Jesus can sometimes be that as well. But uh, yeah, so you have some experience with Jesus fantasy, whether I think you realize it or not, because you're a big family guy person. Right? I know. Jesus came in and out of family guy. I, I hate to call myself a big family guy person, but at the time it was just so I felt like a badass watching Adult Swim after hours as a kid growing up and Family Guy had some really funny parodies. They do a lot of movie parodies and a lot of TV show parodies and book parodies infused in the like story of the Griffin family. So Jesus came up a couple of times, but I do, if I can get a little bit more broad than that, as far as like biblical fantasy, I see, I think I've seen more of those as opposed to specifically Jesus fantasy. For example, could you tell me if this counts like Bruce Almighty, Evan Almighty, this idea that, hey, you know, news reporter, why don't you go build an ark for me? And and Evan having to, you know, who that was played by Steve Carell at the time, trying to be like, well, I got a family. I, I can't just start building an ark out front. Is that a little bit similar? I think, yeah, I think you would fall, fall that under uh, biblical fantasy. Gotcha. Uh, I'm thinking of that terrible show on like CBS, like Angels or something. I can't remember, but the story is basically about three angels who... Oh, Touched by an Angel. Touched by an Angel. First of all, Touched by an Angel was amazing. Really? (laughs) Del Reese? Oh, please. Oh, I thought it was terrible. I mean, my mom and I watched it as kids, and... Well, I was a kid, obviously. I, I vividly remember that show, and it was great. Yeah, it's a very Christian 
type of show, though. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Faith but base. I think what my really thoughtful encounter with this type of Jesus fantasy was The Grand Inquisitor by Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky? Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky. He's Russian? Yes. Yeah, Dostoevsky. Yeah, but uh, basically there's a story in a story where the character is talking about this, I think the poem that they read at one point, and the poem, he's describing the poem, and the poem is about Jesus coming back during the Inquisition. The author is, or a yeah, character in the, the book? the character in the book. It's really, really cool. There's so one chapter. So a character in a book mm-hmm. wrote a poem. No, no, read a poem. The character in Dostoevsky's book read a poem. Yes. About Jesus coming back. And then he's sharing that plot of the poem to somebody else. Got it. So it's almost a story within a story within a story. I see. Okay. And Jesus is this like bubbling love kindness. He raises a child from the dead. And when he's raising that child from the dead and uh, the Grand Inquisitor walks by and sees these miracles and see this happiness. And I think he ends up taking Jesus and questioning him, torturing him. I think they kill him at the end. Because they think he's a witch or... Well, because he doesn't, Jesus doesn't fit with the Grand Inquisition's understanding of Christianity. Like, Jesus isn't Christian, so that you have to kill people as heretics when they're spouting a religion that doesn't match yours. Oh. Yeah, that's pretty much how it works in America. Which is... What? People don't kill each other in America for different religions. They do if you're not Christian. Don't kill you if you're not Christian. So people don't bomb temples. Oh, I'm talking about the political organization of that time. So the political power of that time oh. was the Grand Inquisition. You are correct. I there, see what you're saying. There is persecution, yes, and in, in America, yeah, I was like, if you're people not people, definitely shun Muslim and. But Sikh it's people. not. It's not state acquiesced persecution. Christians persecute like gotcha. politically. Yeah, you're correct. Mo- Muslims like that's yeah. the political organization, but it. It does have a connection, though, because I think a lot of people would think that Jesus would come back today and be a Republican. Of course they would. You know? Well, people... You know, Jesus is people's own depiction. Like Santa Claus. Like, my Santa Claus is black. Yours might be white. Somebody else's might not even be Santa Claus. It might be Klaus. You you get to visualize what your religious figure who is now deceased looks like. Mm -hmm. But we do know the one that's most prevalent. Yes. So that is actually Warner uh, Salman's light eyed, light haired head of Christ from 1940. Who's Warner Salman? Uh, He was a advertising creative and he worked on this depiction of Jesus, which everyone has seen. If you, you probably don't know who uh, Warner Salman is, but you have seen his painting. It's the folded hand Jesus with the long hair, white. Uh, and that is the prevalent form of Jesus that we have in the United States. And he did that for an advertising campaign, which... Wow. For, he changed the world. I mean, did. I'm sure he's still getting checks. I think he's dead. Well, his fa- the Salman family yeah, is the, like, the you Salman. know that Jesus painting? That's me, bro. Right. Which is funny, though, because there's only one depiction of Jesus... In the New Testament, it's in Revelation. And I remember learning about this in Bible school because I went to Bible school, Bible college. And it describes Jesus in Revelation, which was written, you know, a good maybe 200 years after Christ died. People are disagree with me, but 
I have to follow with historicity and not what we wish Revelation was written. Anyway, it was written maybe 150 years. I'm saying 200 to be safe. And in it, it describes Jesus as having like woolly hair. Yep. Sort of like yours. Sort of like mine. Yes. And uh, he, uh, it being white as uh, wool and white as snow and his eyes are like flames of fire. So almost like a jinn. And jinn, depictions of jinn in Islam, they have, like, fiery eyes. Mm-hmm. And then his feet are, like, burnished bronze, so, like, bronze-colored skin. I can and- see a white person being like, okay, not white hair, skin, got it. Bronzer, <laughs> I, I wear bronzer, so that means he just has a tan. Or maybe his <laughs> shoes were the color of bronze or something. Yeah, people are going to make this work for them. Yep, but that's what the good book says. Yeah, so that is the one (laughs) physical description we get from the Bible of Jesus. And there's this movement now where people are really questioning how we depict Jesus and getting the historical accuracy right and moving away from Solomon's white-haired, white-skinned Jesus to actual depiction. And when I was doing research for this podcast, I came across Sean King who I think you get annoyed with him sometimes. Yeah, I'm annoyed with him, but... Why? He's mostly good. I think he just does a lot. Sometimes he's really about the movement, and then sometimes I think it's about the money. Or he doesn't really acknowledge his own male privilege and that he's, like, super light-skinned, sometimes white-passing. I don't know. He he gets weird. I, I need to have some more concrete reasons, but... Well... He's, I think we talked about him once now that you're saying that, where he's very performative. Yeah. Where he tweets about things, maybe not necessarily. For like shock value or yeah. sometimes. But for the most part, he says some, he has some really valid points. It's like Charlemagne. It's like, you almost had it, but you, I can tell that you're doing your job of trying to entertain and perform in this mm. moment. Well, he, he did make a statement where he was advocating for tearing down white statues of Jesus and yeah. white depictions of Jesus, which is, I don't hate that because those ideas of whiteness are used to hold up white supremacy, right? To actually think of creating a, a black Jesus during the time of Jim Crow apartheid, you know, the apartheid South would be absolutely profane and awful because it's in, in indicating that Jesus can connect with uh, those who are less than in the political structure. So I think that idea of tearing down white statues um, as equivalent with tearing down Confederate statues, which is Sean King's point, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like a direct comparison, but I think it's pretty close. It's this idea that we have to stop the spread of misinformation. And those statues are misinformation. Yeah. You can look at a statue now that doesn't have to be painted and tell what race the statue is. Like even the other day, we went to the shitty little botanical gardens in my hometown. And do you remember when we came across those statues of children? Yeah. I remember looking to see if one of them was going to have coily hair. None of them did. But they were all bronze. But they were all, yeah, but they were all like gray statues. And I could see. I think they were actually like copper or bronze. Right, right. But the features of the children were visibly not, they were visibly white. Exactly. And so I remember thinking in my head as we walked through those statues that some white person would argue with me about like, well, you don't, you just raced those kids and you don't know what race they are. 
And it's like, but I do. Look at them. They're, those those stu- those statues do not reflect me. I think it's also... And there were like seven kid statues. Like one of them couldn't have been a black child or an Asian child or something. Right. And also one of those things... Well, it's depicting that norm- normativity is whiteness. Yeah. And then I think with Jesus, though, it does something a little bit extra, which is the ultimate symbol of power... Is a man. Is a white man. And is a white man. Is yeah. a white man. And I think that is what Sean King is getting to. Which is why watching Black Jesus... Oh, man. Black Jesus just smashed all of that misinformation and doubled down on it. So, yeah. So what, fun. What were your first impressions? So, I'll say this. We we only watched season one for people listening. So, we're not going to get too involved in plot because we could be completely wrong about what happens as the seasons progress. But at first, it wasn't my favorite because... It seemed like 20 minute episodes that weren't, that were all different, like sketches, like sketch comedy. You're like, I'm going to watch a sketch and then I'm going to watch another 20 minute sketch. And then around the fourth or fifth episode, you started seeing, oh, all of this is contributing to some overarching narrative. And I love that narrative. And I haven't seen a show in a while that's no holds bar very like anti-PC since Family Guy and and all of those shows that, you know, we love to hate. So that was refreshing to see. I was like, oh, this really feels like early 2000s, even though it's not. Yeah, the first two minutes of the entire series is Jesus walking down. He's being really kind. And uh, Jesus is played by uh, Slink Johnson, who is like, I don't know, maybe 6'3", tall, tall man. He's wearing this lace front. He's wearing yes. like an Obi like uh, Obi Wan Kenobi um, sort of vestment. Yeah, that, uh, that shepherd's apparel. That shepherd's apparel. He's walking, to, so he's taking out people's trash, and then he runs into Lloyd, the the bum, the series bum, and he and Lloyd asks him for the lottery numbers. Well, first I think they they give each other a hug, and Jesus says like, "What can I do for you today, Lloyd?" And Lloyd is like, "You know." I really just want the lottery numbers. That's what you can get. Give me the lottery numbers, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, I, I got kindness, compassion, and love for all mankind. <laughs> and then Lloyd says, ain't nobody want to hear that shit. <laughs> also, Lloyd is played by the legend John Witherspoon. Rest in peace. He is so perfect in this role of this homeless man with attitude and all of it is just so campy and hilarious there is gratuitous use of the n-word and i love it (laughs) they bleep out the f they bleep out the f word though but hold on let me finish so so then lloyd says okay well ain't nobody want to hear that shit and jesus says, well fuck your stinking ass um and and starts making fun of uh lloyd's be like your hair looks like barbecue brillo pads and jesus just turns into a full roast this whole he switches jesus turns from this like loving kind person and to just roasting lloyd and then lloyd (laughs) turns around and walks away and then jesus yells after him he's like but i still love your bitch ass by default fool (laughs) yes it's high school insults but they are hilarious so that is that sort of the the tone throughout the entire and it's set in Compton. Yeah, so it's set it's set in Compton and the overall summary after a couple episodes is that Jesus and his crew are looking to start a community garden 
And originally it is to grow weed and to sell weed, make a little bit of money. Hope- so accurate, right? So, uh, yeah. Jesus would totally be selling yeah. and, and curating and well, planting and growing weed. I think that the idea, Jesus did have a job. He was a carpenter. And what availability would there be for Compton, who doesn't get all the taxes, doesn't get all the support, doesn't get opportunities? You know, Jesus would have to make his way. And so growing weed in this vacant lot would be a viable option for, for him to make a living and to get out of the van that he's sleeping in. By the way, Jesus, black Jesus sleeps in a van at night because he doesn't have his own home. So that's sort of the overarching narrative. And I remember reading at one point, because a lot of the talk is about the characters trying to get money and trying to, you know, get out of their situation. One character supporting his children, another character who's a, a convict who can't get a job and just making rent. And so a lot of the these narratives are around money. And in the Bible, like 11 out of the 39 parables, like mention money. When Jesus talks about, who shares his parables, Jesus had a lot to do and a lot to say about money. And so I, I thought that sort of fit well with like, the Jesus of, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, but yeah, let's go to go through some of these, these characters. We got black Jesus and then we got fish. Yes, who's so, the convict. Yes. So fish is, was recently released from jail. Who was just out here doing his absolute best not to catch another charge. He's on probation and he even carries a, a marble shooter instead of a gun so that he is not caught. Accident- <laughs> Cause he does sort of have like a temper, but so his, his character is constantly trying to restrain himself from being like, oh, I wish I was on, wasn't on probation. Like, and he's shooting people with marbles, which when's the last time you saw a freaking marble shooter? Maybe Hook, like Peter Pan and the Lost Boys? I don't know. But also, and his he has a nice arch because he goes from like, just very angry. Like you're like, here's your like angry black man who's been like beat down by the system. At one point towards the end of the series, you think there's going to be this big confrontation between Fish and another character, Vic. And Fish walks to Vic and says, you know what? I forgive you. And just keeps walking by him. Mm-hmm. And so like the power of Christ compelled. Yeah. Him. And so th- I, I know there's like, this show is very funny, but it has a heart. There's like a heart to this and characters do grow and develop. So that his story is really, really a uh, very strong character yeah. development, which I love to see. Okay. So then there's Booney. Booney is every fat joke in the book is used against Booney the entire time. So he lives at home with his mom, Miss Tootie. And Booney also has two smaller children with his baby mama, whose name is Shalinka. So Booney is sort of this deadbeat, very uh, the butt of every joke. But he's good. He's a good person, but he's trying his best and never, ever living up to his mom's expectations. She clowns him the most. So that's Booney. Next up, we have Trayvon, who you describe as revenge of the nerd. He's such a nerd. Well, Vic, Vic does that. Vic, at one point, who's played by Charlie Murphy, sort of reads every character at one point. I think he calls, like, Booney the fat ass, Fish the convict. He calls Jesus the con man, and he calls Trayvon revenge of the nerd. And Vic is the landlord of uh, the project in which a lot of these, um, a lot of the narrative takes place. It's like the project 
in the community garden. Trayvon the nerd is probably one of my favorite characters in the show. I think I'm gonna say he's my favorite character because he is constantly looking to be validated by the group but does ridiculous things to try to earn the group's approval as as a nerdy. He's the Chucky of this Rugrats gang. He says yes to everybody. He says yes to everybody. Like Jesus will be like uh, Trey, we need you to go to the store and get the chips and get the ice. And Trey's always like, so we kind of need money to get these things, right? He's like, Trey, figure it out. So Trey has just footed every bill. Trey actually adds a lot of value to the group. He records everything so that people can spread the word about the community garden. He's setting booby traps in the garden to help enemies of the space. Like, he does a lot for this cast and crew and he's still just like the nerd of the bunch and just very passive and and precious. Vic the landlord is played by Charlie Murphy. Freaking hilarious. Uh, rest in peace Charlie Murphy as well. Such strong character. I mean when I say the the name Charlie Murphy you can already tell you can just hear the voice in your head of him being a landlord just roasting everybody never taking care of any of the tenants problems. And he actually forms a really, a business working relationship with Lloyd, the the homeless man, bum character, which we'll get to. There's also Maggie. She is the, the girl in the group. You know, she's not my favorite. She, she has a couple of jabs here and there. And we'll get to that later. But I kind of don't really understand her role in the group. She's described by Vic as ditzy. Uh, and so I think maybe the show is like, we need to throw a woman in here. You know, like she doesn't have a lot of character. I, she doesn't I, have I a lot of lines. The, I hope in the later seasons she gets more character. I mean, at one point, Booney tells her to shut up and says like, you're the only light-skinned girl that got to wait in the club. <laughs> got to wait in line, line at the club. Like that's so, so she's like constantly, she's looking for a family. She at one point, she's like, I don't have any homegirls, like... This crew is the only thing I have. My family doesn't really talk to me. So you don't really get a lot of what she's about. Maybe she's a bit more developed in further seasons. But I'm going to be honest. She doesn't really serve a lot of purpose in the group. And her hair is like perfectly rolled and coiled. Which is is weird for this group of like really struggling people that she always looks like she's fresh out of the salon. But anyway. And she is... She almost is dressed like a punk rocker, almost. Like, mm-hmm. she's always wearing a beanie and... Uh, but with, like, prom hair. Yeah, it's... I don't... I, yeah. I feel we'll, like we'll they, get, That's a side for that, sure. Yeah, that would be a side then. Okay, so we're still going with the crew. So far, we've gone over... So far, we've gone over Jesus, Fish, Booney, Trayvon the Nerd, Vic the Landlord. Now we have Jason. Jason's kind of a... Sort of like Maggie, he's in and out of this group dynamic because he's really trying to start his life with his, you know, fiance or girlfriend, Diana. Diana is a detective. So Jason has this internal conflict of, you know, trying to do essentially hood rat shit by helping out with the weed garden and stealing things to help with that. But also he's trying to straighten up and, you know, be legit with his detective girlfriend because she's on the case about all of his actions. We talked about Shalinka, who is the mother of Booney's kids. Freaking hilarious. Please find the name of this comedian because she is, 
I mean, sensational. And then we have Miss Tootie, Booney's mom. Miss Tootie is, she She appears like she's the average mom. She has this really nice house. She loves to bake, but she's a stoner. Like she, she loves to get high and she sells weed as well. So she is very invested in the community garden and one of Jesus's biggest fans, but she don't take nobody's shit for nothing. And she is a, I, I think if Trayvon is my first favorite character, Miss Judy is my second favorite because hilarious. She, yeah. She carries this golden gun in her purse that she yeah. just takes out like whenever she needs to intimidate somebody. At one point, another character falls in love with Miss Tootie, Vic. Vic, the landlord, falls in love with Miss Tootie. And Miss Tootie is just sort of playing Vic because, you know, she needs him to do something for her. Yeah, Vic is at war trying to stop the community garden. Yeah, yeah. But at one point, she's like to Vic, you know, this is never going to work. And Vic's like, come on, we're both Christians. And Miss Tootie is like, no, Vic, because I'm a stoner. I get high all the fucking time. As a matter of fact, I'm high right now. So there's this, so... There's this whole idea that she's like this <laughs> praise-loving, goes-to-church mom. But no, she's like, yeah, she's straight gangster. So she's kind of like Medea energy, but Claire Huxtable vibes. With a huge potty mouth. Yes. Oh, the whole show. You can't watch the show if you're sensitive to uh, swear words. Yeah, the N-word isn't your favorite word. It, it's a lot of... Inter- not your favorite word, of course. Not you. But it it's, it's so ratchet in all the best ways. I love this show. Exactly what the Boondocks did. The Boondocks... I'm not sure if we said this at the top of the show, but this show is co-created by Aaron Magruder, who was the fearless force behind the Boondocks. And in the same ways, that show was very, like, kids cussing and let's get to the real issues. And so this show, you you can tell that he had some part of really creating the dialogue for this show because it gives zero fucks about trying to be accurate, correct. It's funny, but it, it's it's so intentional and purposeful as well. The, a modern day Jesus would struggle financially and likely be driven to do illegal shit because... We're all just a squirrel trying to get a nut out here. Like, which is what this show does so beautifully. It tells that story of the, the working man. That's the overarching narrative where Jesus trying to start the community garden with his friends. And it's Jesus, Fish, Booney, Trayvon, Jason, and Maggie. And then Miss Tootie comes in as well to help the community garden. And then Lloyd, the homeless man, and Vic are trying to go against that. But then there's all these, like, little side narratives. For example... Uh, Shalinka, Boonies, um, I think they're broken up at, yeah, they're broken up. Uh, so Boonies, um, baby mama. <laughs> I saw you trying to hold back. <laughs> yes, the mother of his children. Yes. Should I, yeah. So Bo- Shalinka, the mother of Boonies' children. Yes, good job. Is trying to basically get Boonie to watch the kids throughout the show just so she can go and like have a day at the salon or whatever. Yeah, and just just to relax or also to get child support. So that there's that narrative. And at one point, Shalinka goes and confronts Booney about not giving money. And Booney's like, yeah, I have been giving money to my children. It turns out that she he's just been giving like $300 like in rolls of cash to his children. (laughs) So very irresponsible. 
And then Jesus, throughout the show, Jesus is pretty consistently trying to de-escalate people. So Jesus steps in and goes to Shalinka and Booney and be like, okay, we can resolve this peacefully. And Shalinka looks at Jesus and says, don't think because you Jesus, I won't whip your ass. And just <laughs> starts to beat up Jesus. Shalinka beat Jesus' ass. Beats up Jesus. And it's so funny. It's so great because I think... Uh, it's it's funny because Black Jesus is getting beat up, but I think there's <laughs> something else here where Shalinka is like at the end of your rope. And when you're at the end of your rope, like kindness and compassion is just not a viable yeah. option. She's like, that what hasn't got you. Righteous anger. Yeah, she has that righteous anger. She's frustrated. And should she have beaten up Black Jesus? I don't know. Should she not not have beaten up Jesus? And she's trying to feed her kids. Yeah, so that there's that narrative as well. <laughs> And then also there's Lloyd, the homeless man, has all these different hustles, how he gets money. Yeah, so waiting in line is one of his hustles. Like, people pay him to wait in line. People pay him to snoop around the neighborhood. And at one point, John Witherspoon, Lloyd, gets access to Vic's house. Vic, the landlord. You know, him and Vic are working together. They're business partners. And this, it's so bad to say this, but this homeless man, like, getting access to a house would be like a five-year-old getting free range over some, like, candy store. Like, what do you think is going to happen? So this kid would, you know, grab a shopping cart and knock everything into the cart. So Lloyd, played by John Witherspoon, is exploring a home for what looks like the first time ever. So he's just, like, taking things out of the fridge, trying on new clothes, just... It, and it's so funny. I, I think that that whole scene was probably just improvised by John Witherspoon because I could just see him. He was just like, oh my God. And just like all over the... And we shouldn't be laughing because we're, we're laughing at this homeless person exploring shelter, but it, which feels so shitty. But you have to go watch it. It's so good. Please get high. Watch this show. It's so funny. At one point, I think a character calls Lloyd, yells at him, says, uh, you smell like ass and crackers. Like, <laughs> Well, and the show also, I do want to get to the point that makes it fantasy. It does have some of those supernatural elements in there. Like Jesus does perform mir- miracles. Jesus actually isn't really the one who has free range over the miracles performed it's mostly god which he refers to as pops he's like you know if pops didn't give me the vision i can't make it happen so pops is god has all the real power jesus has power every now and then to perform certain miracles yeah and some of his miracles are like pulling out this magical coconut water that uh deals with your hangover if you drink too much uh they're they're very random and sporadic which is sort of how, I guess, miracles are done, right? Their mm-hmm. miracles are miracles because they happen randomly. Another one is, at one point, Jason, who is uh, dating Diane, the detective, sort of has the most uh, privilege because, you know, he has um, he's living with a detective who has a, you know, a decent paycheck. He has a car, and so at one point... Uh, Jesus and the crew needs Jason's car, but Jason is on a date with Diane. So one of the miracles is that Jesus has the police department call Diane, the detective, to go in so that they he, he breaks up their date. And so there's these random miracles throughout it, which sort of has that fantastical element. Most of the miracles 
only really benefit Jesus <laughs> and his plot to get this weed garden going. Well, I think it's sort of ingenious, too, as like a narrative perspective where if your narrative is slowing down and you need something to make the narrative fit or to make the plot fit, mm-hmm. you just have Jesus perform a miracle. Yeah. You can really just lean into if something goes wrong. Okay. Let's just write. Like if we cannot find our way out of this scene, miracle perform. Exactly. So there, so with the community garden, they try to grow weed, but since it's a lot in Compton and God knows what type of poison has seeped in, the weed doesn't work. And so they can grow other things, but not weed. But it turns out that the tomatoes they grow have sort of these like magical, miraculous, like weed effects. And mm-hmm. so that's another one of the, the, uh, the amazing miracles of this show. I think my favorite miracle that was done on the show, you know, we watched it. I'm not sure if it was performed by God or Jesus, Pops or Jesus, but Lloyd is an alcoholic, the the homeless man, he's an alcoholic, and Vic has gotten really stoned from these tomatoes or and his love for Miss Tootie. And so Lloyd has trashed Vic's home and there's liquor bottles and beer bottles everywhere. And even though Lloyd is completely trashed, Vic is completely trashed, Lloyd is still trying to get Vic to drink alcohol. So he grabs this bottle of tequila and is like, Vic, drink this right now. You need this. You need this to feel better. And Vic drinks from the bottle and it's water. And so Jesus, God, has turned all of the alcohol into water, which is just, you know, the, the flip of the biblical trope. And it's perfect it works so well that was my favorite miracle performed for sure (laughs) yeah and even though Vic is sort of an asshole and trying to disrupt black jesus's work in the community garden black jesus does care for Vic like he doesn't want Vic to be in the dumps I forgive you I love you Vic yeah exactly and I think that again like that fits really nicely uh with jesus's narrative in in the bible and so he I think he does that miracle so Vic wouldn't be like tempted to continue drinking. But yeah, it's that is a, a great, great scene. Let's talk a little bit more about Miss Tootie. So there's one episode where Trayvon is creating a documentary to push out the the community garden and to get people to come and participate in the community garden. And she is all about money. And I think at one point, we're really tempted to sort of see Miss Tootie as like this villainous, like violent character. But every time you think that, she does something or says something that disrupts that thought. For example, she's like, you know, these are miracle tomatoes. She's going on this whole rant about these are miracle tomatoes. And, you know, lots of people take advantage of God's miracles. You know, I see you, Creflo Dollar. And so I, I think, like, they pull in that stuff as well. Because I think we're tempted to see this as sacrilege. We're tempted to see this as profane. And we have to recognize, like, no, Jesus swore in the Bible. He called uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, brood of vipers, which is today would be like sons of bitches. He was at times violent. He took, uh, who is, where does Trayvon fit in? You know, who's going to be like the Judas maybe in later seasons. So it, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. They clearly did a good job weaving in Jesus's real character traits 
from the Bible. They, they I mean, I, I can see Aaron Magruder sitting down being like, here are some of the top miracles that Jesus performed and we should definitely infuse those in the show. Because the show has been accused of being blasphemous, obviously. And it's like you said, you can look at this one way, but for all of the things happening in the story, there is some biblical framework you can use to support like, I'm just rewriting and modernizing what we read of how Jesus cussed and sent people on sword runs and things like that. So that really just was an aha moment for me. It's like, this isn't that far-fetched. It isn't. And the conclusion of season one is Vic and Lloyd end up getting what they want. They want this community garden destroyed. So Vic brings in this politician who's sort of your standard dirty, you know, politician. He's like smoking a cigar and smoking a cigar. So it's like this community garden would be much better used as a parking lot. And he used to be a gangster as well. So it's, which is great. Most politicians probably did some foul shit first. Yeah. Yeah. So at one point you think the community garden is going to be saved because as the narrative goes on, the community garden is put up for sale and it's like a million dollars. And so Jesus calls in a favor from the one and only... Coolio. Coolio. Is that Coolio? Yanks this paradise. And so... Coolio is going to come and do this benefit concert and they're going to stream <laughs> it online. And so, again, this is Jesus uh, having a con like every time. But it's not a con. He, Jesus is just hustling. It's his hustle. Mm-hmm. And so that just it doesn't work out. And uh, Jesus ends up being put in a mental institution at the end of season one. And the entire community garden is destroyed. Like that's the end and bulldozed, and bulldozed which, which for me was, it rang so true. Like this is what, mm-hmm. what happens. Someone goes and finds an empty lot in Chicago. We have a bunch of empty lots. They're called dollar lots. And I could imagine that happening in Chicago. Com- people coming in, creating a community garden, trying to do something great with that lot. But since they didn't go through the proper political channels, it's taken away. It's destroyed. And there's many, many stories of that happening all the time in lots of cities. So the conclusion is Jesus is put into a mental hospital and the lot is destroyed. That's the end of season one. Uh, the, sorry, the community garden is destroyed. And yeah, what did you think about that conclusion? Everything this show has been doing has is very funny, but there's so much substance and layers behind it. And I think that that one, that, that moment that we saw where these like black and brown families were crying as this lot was being bulldozed. Like you said, when we were watching it, like that was very effective. It was sad. And there was some moment where I was like, Oh, surely some, some miracle is going to happen right now where something is going to be stopped. No, Aaron Magruder does fantasy and realism. And the reality is, is that lot would not be stopped from being bulldozed in a community. Yeah. You know, it, it makes me think, a little bit, uh, Mark, which is the first gospel that was written, and all the other gospels, Matthew, uh, Luke, and John, are based off of Mark. It's the earliest gospel written, and the end of Mark is the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. There's no resurrection. The resurrection was put in after. After what? The, the later books. So mm-hmm. it, I think it was written, uh, the, someone in the like medieval times, so think like, a thousand years later, went back to Mark 
and rewrote the resurrection. Rewrote the resurrection. Oh wow! But originally, the way Christians understood the resurrection wasn't the resuscitation of the body. They didn't really believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead because that's not reality, right? Like right. people don't come back from the dead. And he's crucified. That's the end of Mark. That's the end of uh, the first gospel. And that there's, I think there's a parallel here. I know, I know this is, it's an adult swim show. It's super funny, but again, it really made me want to go back and like read the gospels because I Mm -hmm. think there is a lot, (laughs) there's a lot going on here. Let's, let's go through some sides because we're loving the show, but the, Oh, well, I I said at the beginning, one of my big deep sighs were that it, it felt like disparate sketches Mm. and then it came together. I think they could have did some of that world building without it feeling so random. Yeah. At first. Because some people can't hold on for four or five episodes. Like we did obviously because we were doing this show, but I, I worry that if we weren't looking at this show for the podcast, would I have made it past? Would I have sat down for a full season one? So that's one thing. And then Maggie's character for me felt very unnecessary. It's just, it, it, it reads, it reads, I wanted to put a woman in this role, but if she has no depth, I would have rather her been left out because Shalinka was a woman. She was a really strong character. Jason's detective girlfriend, Diana was a woman. She was annoying as fuck. And a little bit like myself, but really strong characterization. Miss Tootie. Wait, why didn't you say she was like you? She's just like riding her boyfriend all the time about the decisions he makes. And so I remember being like, this girl is annoying. Oh, uh, also, oh I am this girl. <laughs> <laughs> also, she buys Jason, her boyfriend, these really nice shoes. Yeah, very expensive Jordans. And then it's, and obviously he ruins them. And but every day since she's like, where are your Jordans? Why aren't you wearing yeah. your Jordans? <laughs> Some of the plot points are stretched way too many episodes. I'm mm-hmm. like, the, the community garden art could have gone for, and then they could have done something else. Mm-hmm. Which sort of the I don't hate what you said. Like the sighness, your sigh is like the the sketch the sketch part of it. Mm-hmm. Like that that part felt strong. I think the failure was that they were trying to make this long narrative arc where if you look at a show that is I think similar in tone as far as just the profanity would be Rick and Morty right okay but in Rick and Morty uh every single episode for the most part has like a self I think this show would be great with that I think if this show did the Rick and Morty did the sort of broad city-esque like we have a problem let's solve it next episode if, if you could watch episodes standalone more I, episodic yeah more episodic but i think it, it it felt a little bit like this show started as episodic and then the network was like listen if you don't wrap this shit in a bow we can't keep going like this some i i, I felt a I'd shift be because the first three or four episodes were genuinely just them sitting around smoking weed like i was like i can't just watch a bunch of dudes sitting around smoking weed for four for for eight episodes like the first one was funny but the next time like what you know well and they call those stoner comedies right pineapple express there's a whole yeah, genre it's like of Cheech that. and chong and yeah. wayne's world it's cute but i i can't watch that for when when we're in the golden age of television i just can't watch people just say like nigga 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 smoking a joint for 
They move Continue. pretty, but it moves. Fast. It picked up a little bit. They move. They move fast. Uh, beyond that, I I agree with you with that. I think the other thing. Yeah. What was a deep sigh for you? Uh. I mean, there's like. I I think part of the Christian. <laughs> you in literally me, just sighed. I love it. The Christian is me that I I wit. They do stick very much to the character. The of, Christian in you. The Christian in me. I am very Christian. Oh. Okay. I'm very Christian. You can't escape it, you know? Okay. I, I, I hear you. You know, it's it'd be like saying that, you know, me escaping my Christianity would be me escaping my whiteness. It's yeah. impo- impossible. It's so ingrained in me. So at times they do depict Jesus as like a con man. And I think for the most part, they stick that he's very gracious. He cares very much. But when he, when Jesus sort of, um, at one point he takes advantage of Booney where uh, Booney and Shalinka are getting into this beef, and it, we find out at the end of the episode, right as Booney is about to be arrested, like Shalinka gets cops to come and uh, arrest Booney for not paying child support. <laughs> but I think they call him like Debunde or something. His real name. Yeah, Abunde or something is his real name. <laughs> his and his real... nickname is Booney. Yeah, and you're like, oh wait, <laughs> and so and then Jesus says like, no, like stop it, and is trying to make peace. And then the kids are like seeing their father get arrested. They're like, no, we have these stacks of dollars that daddy's been giving us. And Jesus tries to take credit for that. And Booney's like, no, I did that. I've been giving them money. And Shalika's like, what type of stupid man? <laughs> I don't think she says man. What type of stupid <laughs> man would give children $300? And uh, at that point, Jesus is like trying to take credit for like resolving this issue. And I'm like, ah, that doesn't really fit with Jesus' character. So. I think it does. I think a modern day Jesus would take credit yeah. for miracles that he didn't perform. In, in the this is completely unrelated, but I promise you it'll make sense later. So, uh, recently the read was making fun, not making fun of Ashanti, but there was supposed to be this whole versus battle between Ashanti What's and Keisha Cole. What's the read? The read is another amazing podcast. We, we love the read. Uh, mostly like black pop culture, gossip and hot topics and things like that. But a lot of substance as well. And so there was, in, in black culture, there was supposed to be this versus battle between Ashanti and Keisha Cole. It didn't happen because we discovered that Ashanti, who has been traveling the world, got the coronavirus. And so Keisha Cole and Ashanti were doing this like virtual, you know, Instagram live being like, oh, we wanted to do this, but we couldn't. And Ashanti starts on this like, I just can't believe I would get something like this. Like, oh, the devil is busy. And everybody was just like, you have been going to Kenya and Atlanta and LA and you've been posting that you've been in these places. Like, what do you mean the devil is busy? You have been willingly traveling the world without a mask. What's going on? And even in my head, I'll probably do this later. I I literally wrote this sketch of the devil just like sitting quietly somewhere and hearing Ashanti being like, yeah, the devil gave me coronavirus. It's like, what the hell? So I think... In the ways that people, you know, randomly blame the devil for things that they've done, I I see the parallel world of God taking miracles for things he hasn't done. Uh, and for me, that worked really well with the show. Do you, do you see the point? I, I do. I, I, I do. finally came to that conclusion. I do. We can cut that later. If you need to. No, I, no, that's that's great. It also uh, made me think of... Uh, because you I, say that all the time. Sorry to cut you off, but like... I, I used to be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I just got paid for this thing I did. You're like, you got paid for the thing you did. <laughs> like, 
Jesus didn't have anything to do with that, Amber. I'm like, I know, but I just want to believe that some force sent this money finally. One of my favorite uh, biblical fantasies, actually, is a retelling of Revelations uh, by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman called Good Omens. And Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of biblical tropes. But one of the demons in that uh, narrative is saying, like, you know... You just give humans a little bit and they'll do all the sinning on their own. <laughs> like you don't you don't have to tempt them. You can just make traffic slow down a little bit, and that's what you do. And now you have a thousand people waiting in traffic, swearing and being awful because you can let humans do the sinning on their own. And uh and I, I think that's sort of <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that's really funny. So it's like God taking credit for miracles for what humans do. That's pretty... And the devil being blamed that's for pretty what humans theolo- do. There's some like theological uh, depth there. I, I, I'd, I'd like that. It's like, I'll be speeding, get a speeding ticket, and I'll be like, God, the devil is busy today. <laughs> Just like, and I, I feel like I did that once. Like I got a parking ticket, and I came home, and I was like, oh my God, the devil is out here trying to kill me. And you were like, but you parked in the wrong spot. You weren't careful, yeah. Uh, the other thing that bothered me a little bit is there's lots of fat jokes, like lots of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... uh, Against Booney. Yeah, Booney is constantly being torn down by by Miss 2D, and... uh, Yeah, Booney is just dragged by every... I'm I'm sure Trayvon is going to get a joke in at some point about uh, Booney, because everyone drags Booney. It's so sad, and Booney's constantly being compared to his, like, awful father... Like, Miss Judy did not have a good breakup, or maybe her husband died or something. And Booney is, is constantly being put down and compared to his father. And it, it, that that was sort of sad and frustrating. <laughs> and Booney, Booney is, like, hurt. Yeah. Like, Booney is actually, his character, he, he, he doesn't shake it off. He's, like, his facial expression. Like, he gets yeah. sad. But he's, and, he, he gives you great, like big dumb character vibes like just the way he i, I don't know but he, gets he, his, he was cast really well he's yeah. a comedian as well obviously and he but. gets his licks in as well like he 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 does give it back at points <laughs> yes he does and just then, everybody wailing on this like six three overweight guy is it, it, it can get a little old it's like damn y'all are talking about his dick his weight his work ethic <laughs> and, and at one point Vic and Miss Tootie almost get together and they just hound Booney for like <laughs> Miss Tootie almost sleeping with Vic. And Vic comes out and says like, now Booney, I'm about to be your father because me and your mother are about to get married and I'm going to have you start doing chores. And, like, and Booney's like a grown ass man. Yeah, Booney is like this, own basically the same age as Vic. Booney's uh, so relatable though. Like I know... 12 boonies. I think comedians, when they sort of restrict themselves to fat jokes, you miss out on other opportunities. Uh, And then finally, something that you brought up is Charlie Murphy, and uh, who's played by Lloyd. Wow, John Witherspoon. John Witherspoon. That's really bad, then. Sorry. Yes, so sadly, as we know, Charlie Murphy has passed away from leukemia. John Witherspoon passed away. Guy, we've loved John Witherspoon growing up with John Witherspoon. For the white people who may not know who John Witherspoon is, he's he's the father in Friday. Yes. Who's like sitting Uh, on the toilet. uh, White people saw Friday? Yeah, that's like... You saw it with me, but I'm just saying... No, I saw it before. Lie. He died as a heart of a heart attack. Ugh. So, oh, so John Witherspoon. Well, John Witherspoon and Charlie Murphy has since passed away, and so I worry about watching season two and three 
as without those characters. I, I know that we, we started watching season two and that for me, physically you start to see Charlie Murphy's, he's like, looks a little bit more skinny from season one to season two. Like you can tell he's a, a little bit sick. So it's, it's hard to, you know, not that this show should die because people died, but it's, it's the Black Panther, right? It's like, okay, we now know that Chadwick Boseman is gone. Do I want to watch this without him? Do I, do they recast this role? They're probably not going to. So like long-term what happens to this show because Vic and Lloyd are such strong characters and you're, you're watching this man's health decline. It's just something to think about. It's not obviously Aaron Magruder's fault or Black Jesus's fault about this show, but you can tell something's up. I mean, and but, it's sad to think about because you know you we now from the future know what what happened. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for us to warp up a show. You know, Amber, why don't you warp up the show this time? I should warp up the show. I think you should warp it up. In conclusion, watch Black Jesus on Hulu. You might have to hunt for it, but it's a really great show. Wait, let me. Let me rewind that. Do you need to hunt for it on Hulu because they have these search bar- bars that you just type in? I know, but it's not it. highlighted. It's not critically acclaimed. So you have to type in black, B-L-A-C-K. I do want everybody at home, please just like smoke you a little something something and watch the show. It'll be even more funny. Go home, watch the show, and... Thread it like a lace front weave. Thread that shit like a lace front weave. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Sci. Still in our fantasy bag. Next week, we'll be watching Jingle Jangle. It's a musical. It's a magical. We cannot wait. So please watch Jingle Jangle on Netflix and catch us next week for episode 14. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.